Good morning, good afternoon to those tuning in to the show. Thank y'all for tuning in once again. I am your host, Tavares Wilson. As y'all know by now, I always get the last word, <laughs> period, point blank. But I want to get right off into it, guys. And I want to start off in the NFL news. It's going to be an NFL news heavy episode because there is a lot of movement and transitioning for different teams around the league. First and foremost, we're going to start off with the Minnesota Vikings, moving on from both GM and head coach Mike Zimmer, excuse me, especially as someone who is noteworthy of seeing that the team has moved on from because he has had some success with the team in the past. And excuse me if I had a dog in the background. He a little crazy. But being the fact that he had success in the past with this team, this move does hurt a lot of fans. But at the end of the day, majority of fans and majority of football knowledgeable people who could actually critique and watch the game knew this was the correct move to make. Because Mike Zimmer times was simply up. You know, his team, I feel as if had peaked. You know, he reached his full potential with this team. And the most they got out of that was the NFC Championship appearance, which isn't a bad thing. A lot of coaches don't see that in their careers. So at the end of the day, it was good, but... The signing of Kirk Cousins simply has not panned out the way they thought it would have, even despite the fact that they've had multiple, a plethora of weapons on the offensive side, such as Dalvin now, such as Adam Thielen, has Stephon Diggs, they got just Jefferson now, you know, Kyle Rudolph at tight end at one point in time. They got a young, good tight end right now. I can't recall his name, but this is a team that was very loaded, and they simply have not lived up to that talent, and the defense has just progressively gotten worse. And Mike Zimmer being a defensive coach, that kind of also ruins his reputation. So I'm not sure if he'll ever get another shot in the NFL. He may, may not. It does just depends on if a team is built to win now and have a strong defensive personnel, and he can just implement his scheme. Maybe it could work then, but I'm not fully sure. Then as we move along <clears throat> today, actually, David Culley was fired from the Houston, Texas, which was not surprising in a sense because he was the scapegoat from day one for the Texans. They literally hired him just to get the bad press and media off of them about their racial discrimination and the fact that their owner isn't, let's just say he isn't too kind to minorities. And I feel as if from the beginning, this signing was just a scapegoat or some kind of plea or cover-up to show that you see we actually do like minorities we'll work with them and things like that so I wasn't surprised by this move but David Culley to me in my personal opinion did all he could with this team I mean I doubted David Culley the moment he signed with the team I didn't think that Houston was going to win the single game they ended up winning their first game of the season I know they played the Jacksonville Jaguars but still I mean I didn't have them beating anyone this year and they won four games so I mean in the grand scheme of things that isn't something to write home about or brag about but at the end of the day it's something that you could say that he actually did you know overachieve in the hindsight of things so I give him that I'm not I don't believe he'll get another starting I mean not starting job but head coach a job in this league though I just don't see it happening for him and some more interesting situations, Chicago firing Matt Nagy. I seen that coming from a mile away. Guys, I said Chicago needed to fire Matt Nagy. 
before they even drafted Justin Fields. Matt Nagy simply, to be frank with you guys, does not have a clue of what the hell he's doing. Matt Nagy seems to waste talent and talent out, talent in, talent on, in and out every season. It seems to me as if he doesn't know how to orchestrate or put together well this decisive schemes. He doesn't know how to manage games or simply make adjustments. And to me, if, if when you can't game manage and you can't make adjustments to what your team needs to do in order to be successful, to beat certain teams on each given week, you simply don't need to be head coach. That's literally 50% of your jobs. Finding the issue, identifying it, you know, then discovering a way to fix it. He literally could not do either one. So at that point, why are you still hired? The guy should have been fired from the middle of the season. At the very least, the middle of the season, mid-season. I thought he should have got fired before this season even started. But, hey, they did it now, I guess. But with that being said, I think all three of those teams will move on, upgrade, I seen that Jared Mayo was a a favorite to sign with the <clears throat> Houston Texans for the head coaching job, which isn't surprising, especially being the fact that he's a former Patriot player. And if you guys don't know, they have a lot of Patriot executives that are in Houston right now. Their general manager came from the Patriots. Um, oh man, what's his name? Jack Easterby came from the Patriots. You know this. There's a lot of patriotic players and personnel and executive representatives in Houston right now. So signing Jared Mayo to be their head coach wouldn't surprise me a bit. I'm not sure how much I feel about the move because he simply hasn't shown any coaching experience in terms of being a head coach. I think he's a great positional coach. But it takes you know, things to get to those steps. So we'll see. If it works out, fantastic for him. I think he's a really good defensive coach. I think he's a good positional coach. So I wouldn't be surprised if he can make it work out as a head coach. I just have to see it first. Now, with that being said, I'm not fully sure on who should go where, but I will get into that in a bit more detail. I have a few questions from the fan Q&A that some people want answered. But I want to say this. First and foremost, there are three guys to me, if they're not hired by next season, they don't have a job next season, to me it is utterly shameful. Okay? When I say shameful, I mean this is a crime against humanity. Eric B. Enemy, Byron Leftwich, and Doug Peterson. I've seen a lot of people bashing the name of Doug Peterson. I do not understand why. People, I will, I want to see people name me at least one other former head coach, Super Bowl winning coach that is just at home sitting on his couch. Please name another one. And I'm not talking about from 20, 30 years ago. I'm talking about in the last five years. This guy hasn't won a Super Bowl within the last five years. What other head coach that has won a Super Bowl in recent memory is just sitting at home? The fact that Doug Peterson is out of the league altogether is blasphemous to me. The fact that Eric Bieniemy doesn't have a job yet is blasphemous to me. This guy should have been a head coach two years ago. And Byron Leftwich 
He's a hot commodity, so I know he's going to get a job. But those other two guys I named, it is absolutely insane to me that those guys are head coaches right now as we speak. And if they don't become head coaches this coming offseason, to me the NFL should be a damn shame of themselves. Excuse my language, but they, they should. They just should. They should be ashamed of themselves because there's no way you have these guys with this much experience, one of them being a Super Bowl winner already, the other one contributing to Super Bowls and multiple Super Bowl appearances, and just running one of the best offenses. Both guys just run some of the best offensive schemes we've ever seen, like in recent memory. So I, I just don't understand how these guys are not in these positions already. But again, I digress. And to move on to my other thoughts, I, let me get into the most hottest topic of Monday that had occurred. This upset a lot of people, upset a lot of Dolphin fans, upset a lot of football fans in general, because a lot of people didn't understand the move. And I'm here to break it down for you guys. I'm going to explain this once and one time only because I've talked about it all week. I don't want to continue to talk about it. I'm not going to lie to you guys. It is annoying explaining to people who truly don't understand the entirety of the situation are just looking at a career record or the past two seasons and saying he's, Brian Flores went back-to-back seasons, things like that. So I'm explaining this one time. Hopefully people understand where I'm coming from. If you don't agree, that's fine. I'm not trying to convince anyone of anything. All I'm trying to do and explaining to people is why the move was made and why it made the most sense. Now, first and foremost, the Miami Dolphins had relieved Brian Flores of his coaching duties with the team after three seasons. Now, before I get into my point, I will say this. I absolutely agree with everyone that has said it does not make sense to fire the head coach but keep the GM. That is absolutely correct. I 100% agree with that. I would have gladly fired Chris Greer. Gladly. Chris Greer has done nothing even close to good enough to keep his job and feel secured. He hasn't. This past draft class was a pretty solid to good draft class. But the other drafts he has missed on the past five years is simply inexcusable. And I'm sorry, his job should not be safer. Now, he should have went out the door the same time Brian Flores did. But that's another conversation for another day. Now, let's get into why I believe the firing, excuse me, of Brian Flores is the correct move. First and foremost, guys, we have to realize something. Brian Flores is not a good offensive mind at all. In this game, you have to score points, period. That's the end of discussion. You have to score points in this league. The Dolphins were a bottom-ranked offense every season under Brian Flores. A lot of that has to do with the fact that his inability to put together a staff, which I will get into a little bit later, just bear with me, and his inability to bring in the right guys to match a system that he is trying to run. First and foremost, we see this with Tua Tagovailoa right now. They wanted to become this, you know, stretch the field kind of offense, deep passes, deep balls, intermediate routes, stuff like that. But instead, what we got? We just got RPO, 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 RPO. That's it. There's nothing else. And when you flip that completely, not only does it 
pretty much erase and make everything you did this offseason irrelevant to what you wanted to become. But it also puts your plans in a bind because now they have to be something that you didn't sign them to be. You didn't draft Jalen Waddle to just catch three yard, five yard in and outs and 10 yard dig routes and all this other stuff. You drafted him to be a burner, to take the top off defenses. Now he's not doing that. So now he's being hindered and now he's being held back because of your scheme. And before anyone says that Brian Flores doesn't run the schemes on offense, Brian Flores is the one that hires the OCs. It was his idea to do the dual OC thing. It completely failed. He was the one last season that undermined Chan Gailey by starting tour without even informing him. Literally, Chan Gailey found out at the same time the world found out that tour was the starter. On the news, he didn't have the courtesy to even text his offensive coordinator that, hey, there is a, off- there is a change on the offense. The quarterback change will be happening this week. You couldn't do that? I mean, you you really couldn't do that. It, listen, at the end of the day, guys, you need to put points up in this league. Bottom rate offense, bottom rate points per game, bottom rate yard totals, no rushing attack. You failed to address the running back situation. Offensive line is still terrible. I, I, people are going to say he has no control over those things because he doesn't draft players or sign them. This is what people have to understand. Brian Flores has full control of the 53-man roster. He has full control. He had, excuse me, full control of the 53-man roster. Whoever he wanted on his team would, that would be there. It was the reason why you wouldn't have got Landon Roberts from the Patriots. It's the reason why you wouldn't have got Kyle Van Noy. It's the reason why you got Eric Rowe on the team right now. These guys are all Brian Flores' guys. It's the reason why you went and drafted Noah Igbenogi in the first round. You know your guy and your head coach loves corners and he loves players he's already worked with. That's why we have so many former pages on our team. I already named you three and I didn't even count McCarthy. Jason, um, excuse me, Jason McCarthy. So listen, this is, he has say in a lot of the moves that are made for a lot of players. Let's not ignore those things and act like it's not there. And he simply hasn't put enough pieces around the offense to be that successful. And if we're being honest, the defense has even underachieved with the amount of money that was put into the defense. You put over $100 million into your defense alone. And the defense has not even ranked top 15 in the league since he's been here. In fact, the defense progressively got worse. If we're looking from last season to this season, the defense has gotten worse. And, you, and all you did in that time span was add to it. It's unacceptable to me. Second thing, his relationship with players and coaches are not as good as people make it seem to be. First and foremost, I'm not saying you got to be likable, but I'm saying you got to be willing to work with others even when things aren't the neatest. What I mean by that? Let's look at three examples. First and foremost, Patrick Graham literally left the Miami Dolphins to go do the same exact job with the New York Giants. No pay raise, no promotion, nothing. He literally left Miami to go do what he did in Miami for the Giants. Why? Because he wanted to live in New York? I doubt it. Why else would you leave a job? Think about it in real term, world perspective, people. Why else would you leave a job for the same exact pay in the same exact position? Because you simply don't like either two things. One, who you're working for 
or who you're working with. And being the fact that the one constant in news and rumors the past two and a half years have been Brad Flores has been a difficult guy to work with, I'm willing to bet my money that Brad Flores has some reason to why Patrick Graham has had left the way he did. And he's not the only position coach that left. I can't recall his name, but it was a defensive lineman coach who also left to go be a defensive lineman coach for another team. The same year Patrick Graham left. Guys, people, Chan Gailey literally retired the season after coming back because he felt disrespected. He said it, literally. And I just told you guys earlier, Brian Flores didn't even get his guy the courtesy to even tell him he is making a quarterback change. He had to find out on the news while making the game plan three days before playing one of the best defenses in the league for a quarterback who hasn't played football in a year, basically. People, you cannot be a good coach and do things like that. It does, it does not, but that does not equate to winning success. Form, that's not the formula. He simply did not do his job correctly because he was too prideful and he only wanted things done his way. You're not going to win like that in this league. The only coach we've seen win like that to an extent is Bill Belichick. But even Bill Belichick himself credits a lot of his coordinators and a lot of his staff for doing things that, you know, most people help have cannot do or cannot do other places that have helped them be successful. The reason why Bill Belichick could get away with being an a-hole to people and uptight all the time is simple. He has shown his formula works. He's shown it. But if you haven't shown it works with the Super Bowl wins or the appearances or the um, records or the accolades he has, who is going to take you what you take seriously? Like, seriously, who's going to take that seriously? Who's going to take it seriously? And then people want to say the, coach, the players loved him because how um, some players reacted to the firing. I believe it was um, Jerome Baker and uh, I can't remember the other player who. I know Jerome Baker was one of them for sure. But let me add this to y'all so y'all know. When Brad Flores was fired, you know who one of the people that liked the post saying Brad Flores was fired? Devontae Parker, an offensive guy. You know who agent came out a couple months ago saying that this guy, you can't even talk to the guy, so imagine playing for him to attack of our lowest agent. So what does this tell me? This tells me this guy is that likable or respected as a lot of people made it seem to be. Simply put, he was a headache to just as many people, at least, to the amount of people that liked him. Because you go back and even look at the Kenny Stills and Mika Fitzpatrick situations. All handled terribly, in my opinion, by the coach. All of them. Mika simply told you what he believed his role is and what he has been for this team. You told him, okay, since you don't want to do what I want you to do, bye. You ain't, you ain't trying to negotiate anything. You ain't trying to talk him to, about it. Nothing. You simply traded him, and what he turned into, he turned into Austin Jackson. Great job, coach. <laughs> that's, a great, that's, that's great coaching, apparently. You know, that's great decision-making by all means. I guess when you go two straight winning seasons without a playoff appearance, you get to do stupid stuff like that. No. No. Simple. And my third and final reason, and to me, this reason seems the most obvious to me. I don't, 
this reason alone should tell people why he lost his job and it shouldn't even be in any doubt. This guy simply caused problems in the locker rooms. Listen to me. When I say that, I say this. Brian Flores is the biggest advocate for Deshaun Watson. Brian Flores reportedly was never behind Tua. Brian Flores never wanted Tua. He never backed him. And he is impatient as hell with players. You cannot be a head coach and be impatient with young players when you literally release all your veterans and have young players. It doesn't work that way. He literally let Kyle Van Noy go because he felt as if Kyle Van Noy was undermining him because Kyle Van Noy was the player's coach representative, basically. And what he did when he felt that way, he released him. Kyle Van Noy was your most productive linebacker last season. And what happened? He let him go. Shaq Lawson, let him go. Benadji McKinney, you released him a month after trading for him. <laughs> like, people... The guy wants to have young players on his team to mold them into the player he wants to be. But then when they aren't fully bought into it, he lets them go without even giving them a chance to either grow into it or simply, you know, make some kind of adjustments because, you know, this guy is still talented at the end of the day. Who have we seen that with, people? Think long and hard. Who have we seen that with before? Adam Gates, you know, the whole Jarvis Landry situation, Jay Ajahi situation, trading two pro bowlers and two key pieces in your playoff run when you didn't make the playoffs the last time. We all said this wasn't a winning formula, but the moment they find Brian Flores for it, he's, he's done wrong. I don't understand. He literally was doing the same exact terrible things Adam Gates did, and now the Dolphins are stupid for releasing him. Listen, Steven Ross is nowhere near a perfect owner. I think Steven, Steven Ross is one of the worst owners in the league, if I'm being honest with you. In terms of football operations and moves, he is terrible. But this move here was absolutely correct because what the thing with Steven Ross is he always waited a year too late instead of a year too early. And me, personally, I would rather be a year too early than too late. So, I absolutely love this move. I thought it was the correct move. The guy simply hasn't, and he had, you literally, after three years, was in the same exact spot. You still got questions at your quarterback position. Your offensive line is still terrible. Still have no running game. Your defense is still, meh. It's middle of the pack, even though you spent numerous dollars and money and time in it, invested so much. And on top of all that, will make matters worse. You would have been on your technically your fifth and sixth officer coordinator. You'd have went through your fourth and fifth officer coordinator, been possibly on your fifth, maybe your sixth with this dual thing he had going on. So there, there's no consistency or constant. Like, how can you expect anyone to be successful in these situations? Please, people, we gotta understand this, man. This firing was not stupid by any means. It wasn't ignorant. It wasn't foolish. 
it was the best course of action because it simply was not working. And when it's not working, you can't also not be unlikable. Just doesn't add up. So the office did what they had to do, and I 100% agree with it and back it. All right, so let's get into the fan Q&A, guys. I'm done with my little rant so far. I may go in a bit more detail about that because <clears throat> there's some questions concerning that. Well, let me go ahead start off with the first question. The first question comes from William McClung. Yes, you got some multiple questions. He said, what do the Steelers have to do to beat the Chiefs? First and foremost, the number one thing the Steelers have to do, in my personal opinion, to beat the Chiefs is that they have to get pressure on Patrick Mahomes by rushing only four. So that means guys like T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward and Highsmith, they have to win their matchups consistently against the Chiefs. Because if you blitz, Patrick Mahomes is going to torture you. He just is. I mean, he has too much elite pocket of presence, awareness, and too many weapons he can get the ball to that can simply just wreak havoc on the game. I mean, it's not just Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. You've seen Pringle come to his own. You've seen Gore starting to emerge. They're not really using Josh Gordon as much as I thought they would, but I think come postseason, I think he'll be much more comfortable with the offense to the point where he'll start to actually affect games more. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if he started to actually, you know, indulge himself and starts to show his presence on the field. So that's the biggest thing they had to do, in my personal opinion. Secondly, he asked who the Dolphins' next head coach should be. And I got three choices, man. And it's all it's all three of the guys that I named already. Byron Leftwich, Eric Bieniemy is my number one candidate. I want to see Eric Bieniemy as this team's coach. And Doug Peterson, that's my second guy. I would love to see other three of those guys come in and be the coach for this team. All offensive minds. I love offensive minded coach. Coaches, they have great schemes that I think will fit this personnel that we have right now at this moment greatly. Only thing we would need to add is a running back, which I think in the Doug Peterson, Eric Bieniemy scheme, you can get a guy who's pretty decent or good and look, make him look fantastic in it. So I'm taking that. I'm taking those three guys and my top three candidates. And first of all, predictions, I actually will be posting on TikTok. So if, if you guys do not follow me on there, it's Last Word Productions. I will be posting my first round predictions. Y'all stay tuned for that. They will be posting tomorrow. Next question. <clears throat> this comes from Van Valsine. Why are the Dolphins such a poorly ran franchise after Shula Marino? Simply put, ownership. I mean, Stephen Ross, like I said earlier, is one of the worst owners in the league. I mean, he makes all the moves you need unfootball related, such as the the medical facility that was built outside of the stadium, the money he gives back, the parties he throws, all these good things that you see that do good things for the community and the people around him. When it comes to football operations, football moves, hirings, firings, Stephen Ross is one of the worst in the league, and that is simply the case. And it all comes down to just him finding ways to make more money and make bigger news and things like that. That's why this team is ran so poorly. Ownership has been horrible since he's taken over. Next question we have here is from Vince Clinch Jr. What's next for Tua? 
in my personal opinion, I'm going to give you two answers here. In my personal opinion, I think the Dolphins give him another year. Now, do I agree with that? No. I think Tua has shown you enough to know what he is. And what that is 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 a game manager. Me, personally, I don't like game managers. I want a guy who's explosive, can take over a game when I need him to. Like a Justin Herbert, as we've been seeing. Like a Joe Burrow, as we've been seeing. Like we always seen from Rodgers, Brady, Mahomes, like Josh Allen even. And you know, the list could go on. But this is what I think the Dolphins should do. And this goes back to my coaching hires. I think you trade for Deshaun Watson. I know it's not ideal for a lot of people, but at the end of the day, Deshaun Watson has not even been charged with anything, let alone found guilty. I mean, this, this investigations have been going on for months. I'm not saying the guy's innocent. I'm not saying he didn't do anything, but what I am saying is 18 of his 22 cases right now seem to be heading in a direction where they all are going to be dropped. So that would leave four cases. The guy's been hell-bent on saying he's not paying a single dime because he knows he didn't do anything. And also the fact that the guy simply hasn't budged at all, even when Stephen Ross, the owner himself, came to talk to him about paying his, you know, his <clears throat> settlements to these women, he didn't, he told him no. So to me, that says a lot about this case and the fact that this has been going on for months. And usually these cases are open and closed because Usually you have exactly what you need to convict the person, and boom, that's it. It's not the case here. So I think that says a lot about the situation. I'm not saying he's innocent, he's not innocent. What I'm saying is how it's trending is looking like he's going to, you know, basically get off and not face any kind of lawsuits or anything of that nature. So to me, I think Tua should move, be moved on from. I think he has shown what he is and what he will be. But I think the Dolphins give him another season, personally. And my next question is from Will Parker. He asks, who's winning the Super Bowl? In my personal opinion, uh, you know what? I'm going to leave this for another episode. You know, I will give you a Super Bowl matchup that I predicted mid-season. Though. I predicted it would be the Rams and the Chiefs. I'm leaning towards the, the Packers a bit more. But I think if Stafford can play at a high enough level, I think there's no team out in the NFC that would beat them. But I'm going to go with the Rams and Chiefs just to be a little different. Okay, the next question I have comes from Lamaya Chersfield. Your NFL award winners and why? Okay. Let's see. I'm going to start with Coach of the Year. I think that goes to Mike Verbal easily. Derrick Henry going down. Your best player easily. The guy who is literally your offense goes down midseason. And you still in the, not only winning your division, but with the best record in the AFC as the number one seed. To me, it's clearly Mike Verbal. I don't think it's even debatable. Only guy who come close to my personal opinion is Zach Taylor. But his team stayed intact pretty much the entire season. You know, Joe Burrow was healthy the whole season. Jamar Chase healthy. T. Higgins healthy. Joe Mixon healthy. So 
can't really give him that notch of a guy who literally lost his workhorse running back, who literally was the offense, and he still made it work. So I got to get that to him, man. I got to give it to Mike Verbal. Comeback player of the year, I'm going to give it to Joe Burrow. It's really close between him and Dak Prescott to me personally. But I, I got to give it to Joe Burrow, man. I think Joe Burrow has just lit the league on fire with him and Jamar Chase and the offense they have. And being the fact that he's the most set quarterback in the league but still leads the league in 40-plus touchdowns is beyond amazing to me. I think Joe Burrow deserves, deserves it. I would not be surprised at all if that Prescott won it. I just wouldn't. But I think Joe Burrow gets the notch. My offensive player of the year, I'm going to get at the Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup literally just led the league in receptions, touchdowns, and yards. There are only a handful of receivers that has ever done that in NFL history. That's self-explanatory why he wins it. I got to get at the Cooper Cup. Defensive player of the year, I'm going TJ Watt. I mean, the guy played, I believe, what, 14, 15 games and tied the sack record. Should have owned it. Led the league in sacks, quarterback hits, and also led the league, I believe, in knockdowns as, as well for quarterbacks and hurries. The guy was an absolute menace, simply put. Got to give it to TJ Watt. And the fact that PFF did not have him on their all-defensive team shows that PFF is not, I want to say it's a joke, but it just shows that it's people's opinions at the end of the day, and they should not always be utilized and made it seem like this is concrete because it's PFF. But anyway, next position, Officer Ricky of the Year. I'm going to go with, it's between Matt Jones and Jamar Chase, but I'm going to give the edge to Jamar Chase. This may be a little biased because I'm a Jamar Chase fan. That's my guy. I loved watching him since college. But to me, him setting the record for receiving yards for a rookie receiver in a season and in a game is mind-blowing. I mean, he's one of the only receivers all time to have 200-plus receiving yards in a game, in multiple games in a season. And he's a rookie. I got to give it to Jamar Chase, guys. I'm sorry. Rookie, defensive rookie of the year. Easily Michael Parsons. I don't even have to explain that one. I mean, <laughs> I mean, this guy has literally taken the league by storm as the player he is. I mean, he was – I think he finished the season top five in sacks. I'm not sure. I'm going to have to fact check that. Last I checked, he was top five in sacks. He's literally changed the entire dynamic of the Cowboys defense, man. And it is something that is beautiful to watch from him. It's, it's, to me, it's easily – Easily, easily Michael Parsons. It's not even debatable. Your all-pro team, I'm going to go into detail about this when the all-pro teams are released because what I like to do, I like to take out who I would add and who I would, you know, take out for that person. So stay tuned for that. Super Bowl picks, I already said that I'm going to take, <coughs> excuse me, my midseason prediction was the Rams and the Chiefs, so I'm going to stick with that. Draft predictions. I do a draft prediction way. I do a draft prediction first round only 
like two weeks or a week before the draft, so y'all stay tuned for that as well. I'm not gonna do it now, simply put, we don't even know all the players that are declaring for the draft. We just make assumptions they are. So I'm gonna give it some more time until then. This next question comes from Dad Marino. Can Tua ceiling be at an all-pro level? Quick answer, my man, no. I hate, hate to be the one to tell you that, Napoleon, but no. He, he, he can never be an all-pro, bro. And it's not because I don't think he's good. It's because the league and the other quarterbacks around him are so much better right now as it seems that he can never surpass them to be an all-pro like play at all pro level level, excuse me, considering the fact that those guys go always look better. Tua could go on and throw for 3,527 touchdowns and only throw nine interceptions. Justin Herbert would put up 4,233, 34 touchdowns and throw seven, eight interceptions, and Joe Burrow would do the same exact stat line. When you got two young guys looking like that, you're going to look at two of them and be like, man, he's always a step behind. So you'll never consider him a pro, all-pro level. He, he, it may be at an all-pro level considering the numbers, but when you turn the film on and compare him to his peers, it's not going to look like it. Upset pick of the wild card round is coming from Van Velsen. Now, this is a good question. Now, like I said, I, I will be posting my... First of our predictions on TikTok tomorrow, so y'all stay tuned for that. But let me give y'all two games that I think can end badly for two favorites of mine. First game, I think the 49ers can legitimately, legitimately have a chance to beat the Cowboys. I just think the 49ers match up so well against the Cowboys, it's scary for them. First and foremost, their front seven is going to give their offensive line hell. It, it just is. Guys like Fred Warner, Nick Bosa, excuse me, <clears throat> D Ford, these guys that they're, they're going to give them hell. They just are. And then secondly, the Cowboys aren't that good at them. They're not that good at run protecting. And the 49ers run the ball well. And they're a run first team. And they're good at run blocking. So it's going to be a long game for the Cowboys if they cannot stop the run. And then my second upset that I could see happening, I could see, this one going to sound like a long shot for a lot of people, but I could see the Patriots beating the Bills, man. I mean, it's not necessarily an upset because these are division rivals and the Patriots have beaten the Bills this season, but the Bills are heavily favored right now. I'm, I just have a gut feeling that the Patriots have the best opportunity to knock them off out of any team right now in the AFC because they're seeing them early. They know them. They're familiar with them. Bill Belichick game plans for this team literally every season. They got the best chance. All right. Let's move on to the next question. So the next question comes from Nah Martinez. What the Dolphins got to do and who deserves a payday? Well, first off, what the Dolphins got to do, I already went through it. You got to get your head coach. To me, preferably, if I had the choice, I don't. But if I had to choose, I'd go Eric Bien. Then i trade for Watson, and then i go from there. I built my team around those two guys. Because as long as I have those two guys in my rosters, I have a chance to win each and every game I'm in. 
I got the coach. I got the quarterback. That's that's literally what this league consists of this, these days. Sean McVay, Stafford, competitive team. Mahomes, Reed, Super Bowl competitive team. <clears throat> Zach Taylor, Joe Burrow, emerging team. You know, it's just you look around the league, usually when these teams are successful or good or great, they have their guy at quarterback and they have their head coach. That's literally how it works. So I'll take that. And who deserves a payday? Xavier Howard, to me, needs to be resigned by any means necessary. To me, the only way you let him go is if you're trading a, a map, if you're, if you're drafting or signing a plug-and-play kind of corner right now. I don't think you could let this guy walk because he's simply been your most consistent player the past two years especially. I don't think you could just let that go. Next question comes from Noah Martinez again. How much fault can coach take on for a team struggles versus blame on the players? To me, it just all depends on what's the, the issue. Let's use the Dolphins, for example. The fact that the Dolphins went into Tennessee with the weather conditions the way they were, and they were a pass-heavy team that day, to me, that's 100% on coaching. Now, Tua looked terrible. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Tua looked good by any stretches of the imagination. But you still got to put your players in a position to be successful. And he did not do that. And on top of that, he didn't play this very same defense that made them successful and started building momentum through the season. To me, that's all on coaching. That has nothing to do with personnel and players. That's all coaching. But then you have games where guys are simply aren't making throws, they aren't making the correct reads, plays. That's on players. A lot of a lot of times in the game against Tennessee, that was on tour because. You can't make an excuse about a coach play call or a, a player blocking or a player running a route when you're throwing the ball two yards short of your target with no one around you to your dominant side. I mean, you, you just can't, you can't make any other excuses other than saying that that's my fault. You know, that's a bad throw. I should have thrown a better ball. This next question comes from Britton Watson. What teams are in your top three in the East? and West for this season and why. So out East, my top three teams out East right now, I think is the Bulls, I think is the the Heat, and I think is the Nets. Now, the reason why I don't have the Bucks there, the Bucks have been kind of on the up and down kind of teeter this year. And a lot of that has to do with COVID and injuries and things like that. But the Heat have looked consistent even without Bam and Jimmy Butler for a large part of this season. And the Nets are simply just, to me, the most talented team in the league. I don't, I don't think that's debatable. And the Bulls, simply put, is the most improved team this season. And they is, they're competing each and every night. I know the Nets just beat up on them. But other than last night, they're competing each and every night and looking good doing it. They're putting up points at a, a like large rate in quick fashion as well. Now, out west, that's a little bit tougher. First, I'm going to go with the Warriors. I have to go with the Warriors. They're a great defensive team, and they can score. Klay Thompson coming back is going to get them a boost on both sides of the floor. Uh, 
Second, I'm going to go with the Suns. I think the Suns behind the Warriors are the most complete and best coach team right now out of the West. And third, I'm going to go with the Grizzlies. I think the Grizzlies, I'm not fully sure how competitive they will become postseason due to lack of experience in the playoffs. But this team is firing on all cylinders right now, man. John Morant looks fantastic. They they have a lot of good young pieces, man. This team, give them another two, three years and give them another scoring option, consistent scoring option. This team will very well be a favorite to win it all in the next four years. This next question comes from Van Velsen. He says, Trouble in Atlanta, Hawks edition. Yeah, the only trouble I see so far right now is the fact that they're simply not the team I thought they were. They had a good run in the playoffs last season. But I always knew they'll come back down to earth. I never was a true believer in the Hawks. And John Collins is an actual issue for them. I think John Collins is a very talented player. And the fact that he's not comfortable in his role right now is concerning, but... You look at it and be like, man, you kind of signed the contract to come back here. So you could have left. You you chose to not leave. That's on you. And his final question comes from DeCoy Moore. He said, will the Bucks make it back to the finals? As it stands right now, I don't like their chances. I did pick them in the beginning of the season to go back to the finals. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick to that. But my unbiased take and you know just sticking by my word I'm gonna say no because I think either the heat or the nets will go and that's all we have for the questions today guys thank y'all for tuning in once again y'all be sure to like subscribe to the channel on YouTube y'all make sure y'all follow me on all my platforms I'm on TikTok Facebook Instagram y'all be sure to subscribe on anywhere you hit a podcast such as Apple Podcasts Google Spotify y'all name it I'm on it Thank y'all. See y'all in the next one.